You're listening to the Modern Web Podcast. For more podcasts, videos, and events, find us online at modern-web.org or follow us on Twitter at modern.web. That's M-O-D-E-R-N-D-O-T-W-E-B. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Modern Web Podcast. My name is Tracy. You can follow me on Twitter at Lady Leet, and I am your host today. And I am joined by two awesome folks uh, from the Ionic team, uh, Adam and Liam. Welcome. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having <laughs> us. So um, I guess we'll go one by one. Maybe, Liam, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us where we can find you online? Sure, I'm Liam. On Twitter, I am at Liam DeBeezy. Uh, not sure I'm, I don't think I'm on any other social media um, <laughs> <laughs> that I'm aware of. Um, so I'm the one of the core framework engineers at Ionic. So I work on Ionic framework on the uh, core web components. I'm also working on the Ionic view integration. So a lot of the routing, all the um, form bindings, things like that. Those are uh, some of the things that I'm working on right now. And I'm uh, Adam Bradley, um, Adam D. Bradley on Twitter. Um, yeah, I've been working with Ionic from the beginning, uh, helped build the stencil and also work on capacitor quite a bit. That is so exciting. Yeah. I guess my first question is, it was like so cool to see the Ionic team come out with stencil. So do you have two separate teams for that? Or is it like, that was just a side project, you guys finished it, and then now you guys are just focused on Ionic? Uh, it depends on the day, I think. Uh, right now, it's... Right now, we really have um, kind of one team. So Liam, myself, you know, Brandy, we work on Ionic and Stencil. Um, and really, when it comes down to Stencil development, it comes to, you know, what is in the, the needs for Ionic and like what uh, any bug fixes that we need to do, things like that. For the most part, uh, Stencil is really stable. I mean, we're quite happy with it. So we haven't had any major breaking changes or anything like that, which is kind of the original goal is that we wanted to have it, uh, you know, the stable uh, platform that we can build Ionic with and not have to keep worrying about, you know, breaking changes on a day-to-day -day basis. So um, so really it's kind of doing its job. So we're, um, we don't have any major, you know, big changes to do with Stencil right now, which is, which is good. That's amazing and that's great to hear. I mean, it's like stability and technology. It's yeah. always a double-edged sword, right? Like. I feel like everybody's complaining. Like I remember a few years ago during the framework wars, everyone's complaining about the frameworks and then everything's stable. And then everybody's complaining that they're bored now. It's like, <laughs> make up your mind, people. <laughs> yeah, isn't that the truth? Yeah, I mean, because really, you know, we went through the Angular 1, the Angular 2 transition and it really, it was hard for us. It was even harder for a lot of the users. Um, we wanted to prevent that. And I think that's where Stencil was able to help us out with that is that, um, really, it helped us stabilize, you know, any breaking changes so that we had one code base to maintain. Um, and if there's any adjustments that needed to happen into the other frameworks, um, it would could happen at the stencil compiler level, not have to refactor everything once again. So, um, so really, that's that's working. That's doing its job, and and so we're we're really happy with that. But yeah, like like you said, it makes it kind of boring. There's nothing really new to talk about because it's doing its job right now. Yes, I love it. Well, there's always a rewrite if you're bored one night. Um, <laughs> so um, for those of our listeners who don't know about Ionic or who have maybe like heard about it, but maybe don't know a lot about it, uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit about uh, what it is and also why to choose it. You know, I, I know a lot of people when they're kind of evaluating um, options, they're always wondering about uh, how it works under the hood and what that actually means. <laughs> 
Yeah, I can, I can give a quick overview of the framework. So Ionic Framework is our cross-platform UI toolkit. Um, so it has over 100 components, you know, built on web components, built on Stencil. Um, they're really designed to build uh, cross-platform apps, meaning, you know, iOS, Android, desktop, web, um, that look and feel like their quote-unquote native counterparts. So we have, you know, a header that on you know, Android would look like sort of the material design style and on iOS looks like their iOS style. So if you want to build applications that look and feel like it was a native app, you know, written with Swift, written with Kotlin, um, this would be the framework to choose. You know, there's so many, so many UI frameworks, um, you know, probably lists off a dozen. I would even be getting, you know, 1% of the frameworks. Um, but if you want to build the native, you know, native looking apps, um, I think Ionic is the one to go to. Yeah, and I think that one thing that makes it a little bit different than the others is that it was mobile focused first. So it was first designed for the mobile. Um, the biggest uh, difference would be something like the tabs and the header. Um, whereas, you know, a traditional UI library is kind of built for desktop. And then they also got media queries that kind of squeezes it inside of the phone. Whereas we kind of took the, a different approach. We want to make sure that it was very um, native first, and then it can expand into desktop. I love that. And, you know, li all of our lives these days, or at least most of our lives are mobile first, mobile first. So yeah. that's really cool. So I know also um, Ionic works in Vue, React, and Angular. Um, how How is it supporting all those different communities? What's it like? Where are you seeing the adoption? What are the differences? Yeah, I can I can talk uh, at least from the view standpoint. You know, we we're typically known in the Angular world from the Ionic Framework V1 days. You know, we supported Angular JS, and then we did the you know the Angular 2 migration. So we're pretty fairly well known, I think, in the Angular community. It's the React and Vue where we're less known. Um, you know, we've always had people saying, you know, when you're going to support React, when you're going to support Vue, and you know, like sort of what Adam mentioned, the the web components really make that very easy to do without having to completely rewrite everything for each framework integration. Um, so we launched Ionic Vue late 2020, and then I believe Ionic React earlier that year. Um, and you know, the reaction has just been really, really great. Um, people are so excited. You know, the, the first few weeks we launched Ionic Vue, or a few weeks after we launched Ionic Vue, I was getting messages saying, you know, this is so excited. I'm, you know, I'm glad you finally have. This is great. I can't wait to dive in. Um, so I think the reaction has been pretty great. Um, I think one of the big challenges is since we have typically been known as the Angular, you know, a UI toolkit for Angular, it's a little tough to sort of break into those React and Vue community just because for many years it's been, oh, Ionic, you think of Angular. Um, so it's definitely growing Vue and React. You know, I, I posted, um, I think it was an NPM chart uh, earlier this week in the, the framework channel on our Slack chat. Um, just sort of showing the trajectory of view and react and it's 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 been going up slowly and steadily so we're we're pretty happy with the progress so far that's pretty cool to see I mean I know uh, generally you know the communities are really welcome and opening but also it's totally like for some reason I thought like oh ionic view ionic react yeah that's been around for a few years and for you to say like no that was 2020 it's like what what <laughs> that was Yep, yep. We did have a beta version of Ionic View that was View version two, um, but we really we put that on pause so that we could you know get Ionic React polished 
And so that might have been why it sounded like it was out longer now. And then then as we got React, uh, React out, we wanted to decide to make sure um, to get Vue 3 version going. So we kind of scrapped the original um, port of the Ionic Vue 2 in favor of the Vue 3 version, because we knew that that's you know, kind of the future of Vue. Oh, that's really cool. So um, you're also talking about Stencil. So I think some people who have been following Web Components kind of know about Stencil, some folks don't. Um, but I think that's also a really special thing about Ionic and, and kind of, you know, sort of your special sauce using Web Components under the hood. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what Stencil is and how that, how that ties into Ionic? Sure, absolutely. So first and foremost, like the goal of Stencil was that it's really a tool to help us build components. It's not supposed to be a replacement for frameworks, a replacement for Angular Review, anything like that. It's simply a compiler that allows us to take a common code base and then output into different versions of component models. Um, and so in our case, we've got, it's pretty much an ES6 class. Um, and that class represents a component and there's really not too much more beyond that. We wanted to, we were like purposely trying to make sure that this component model is um, very free of any special uh, stencil, you know, runtime stencil, um, very custom code. Because again, we don't want to get welded to a specific framework. And so, um, the answer to that is really, you know, uh, custom elements. You know, so web component is a term for many different technologies. Um, the biggest one would be the custom element spec. And so we use that because that's the lowest level DOM API that really all of the frameworks use. You know, somewhere along the line, React, Angular, and Vue, somewhere they do document.create element and they add properties and they set attributes. Um, that's very common. And so with that idea, we were able to build Stencil in that um, we want to only use the lowest level APIs that we know all the others use. So then that way we can generate kind of these, just these wrapper bindings so that it makes, um, make the different Ionic versions that are familiar in each of like the, uh, the frameworks. So for example, if you're a React developer, you're gonna be expecting to uh, type uh, with a Pascal case. So Ion button would be capital I, capital B. In Angular and Vue, you would expect it to be lowercase with a dash, things like that. Um, and really, you know, with React, you're gonna be importing the component with uh, Angular, you're gonna be using the ng modules, things like that. So there's there's these framework differences, but that really doesn't matter to really, we just made a component, you know? So these wrappers are the ones that kind of handle the differences between the frameworks. But when it comes down to developing all of Ionic, we just have this common code base um, without trying to, again, have specific stencil things because stencil is just a compiler. Um, and then beyond that, we were just using CSS variables um, you know, CSS properties for a lot of the styling, things like that. We do use Shadow DOM where it's appropriate. Um, Stencil doesn't have to use Shadow DOM, but there's sometimes where we do want to make sure that we encapsulate things um, so that we can have changes without having to break everyone else's app. So that's, I guess, a lesson learned that we had throughout the development of Ionic is that when you have a very specific, you know, DOM structure, very specific CSS classes, things like that, and then you, you know, people develop off of that. You know, they extend that CSS um, class, things like that, um, and they get their app is built off that. And then version whatever, we change how that DOM structure is because we want to add a new property or add a new ability to that component, and then breaks everyone else's apps. And then it's hard to debug what broke, you know, when it comes to CSS and HTML. So that was also kind of a goal of ours that we wanted to make sure that we could encapsulate a lot of things so that we could make changes. And I guess the the biggest um, biggest thing that we, you know 
proof that that worked was between Ionic 4 and 5 is really, um, it was a major change, a major breaking version, but it really just came down to things that we chose to, cha to change, not really the design, because really there was header, um, selector, or what were all some of the, the major ones that we changed? Like the header had a big change. Um, yeah, segment had a big redesign with that new iOS style. So there's quite a bit of CSS HTML changes that we were, had to apply because we wanted to have the newer look for material design in iOS. But at the same time, we didn't have to ask all of the users to go back and refactor out of their apps because we were able to encapsulate a lot of those styles. And so that was to our benefit that, um, and again, that's kind of the, the purpose of Stencil is to allow us to keep changing. And we see that happening with Ionic V6 too. So we do have a you know long to-do list and you know milestone of, of things we're getting done in, for the next version of Ionic. And it's kind of fallen in the same categories that we're able to make some some big changes, but without having to ask users to refactor their apps for them. <laughs> That's the best part, right? Yep. Like nobody likes a new version. Just kidding. These ten things are deprecated. Oh, also, the, you know, all these conventions have changed. Yep. Yeah. Um, exactly. So for for stencil, so stencil is kind of interesting because I remember, uh, you know, I, I love hearing you talk about it because. Um, you know, you built it for Ionic, right? But then I, I talked to a lot of developers and they're like, oh man, you know, instead of using a framework, we're going to use Stencil. And so was that, are you, are you guys surprised that people are using it? Yeah, it's, it's been fun. You know, it, it certainly had a, a use case and I think a lot of other people have a, a very familiar use case, you know, so Again, it's difficult to say you use Stencil to build your web apps because you know React and Angular exists, you know, they, and they're great and they're widely documented. And, and why won't you use React? But when it comes to a, a similar use case to what Ionic has, where we have this UI library that needs to be used by many, many different teams and many different frameworks, things like that, then that might be a case for why you'd want to use Stencil. Um, and, and again, like this was a specific reason we created it for Ionic is if you fall under that category it might make sense to use Stencil. And really, you know, we've seen, you know, Apple, Amazon, um, Panera, a lot of the um, bigger companies do have this, uh, you know, familiar use case where they have a large organization, many different web teams using many different frameworks across the world, that it kind of does make sense to um, have a common component that can just be outfitted to different versions. Yeah, we, um, you know, at this thought, we do a lot of, uh, consulting <laughs> in JavaScript. So, uh, you know, we have this one customer who they are such a worldwide company and um, they have to serve markets like Korea and Malaysia and India and Thailand. And, and you know, uh, they've chosen to use Lit Element, mm -hmm. right? But I think that this is like kind of uh, you know, same thing for stencil, right? Like the, the the lightweight nature of it. If you just can't have a framework running what you what you're building, yeah, and that it completely makes sense because what's great about lit lit element uh, lit HTML is that really it's the same concept of you're letting the browser really do a lot of the heavy lifting. You know, so um, the biggest benefit to custom elements is that the moment that this element hits the DOM, it fires off some JavaScript. You can do something special. And so um, that's what Stencil uses it to our benefit is like when it when React adds it to the DOM, we know to do something special um, and things like that. And and we can use this common layer that all of them understand to kind of um, build this common component, but 
familiar to the user in the framework that they're familiar with. And so Lit Element is also a great project. You know, um, the, the biggest difference would probably be that Stencil is a compiler so that we're able to adjust. We can automatically generate the React and um, Angular and all the different bindings, things like that. But they're very common. Common. I think the the other difference would have to be the the templating syntax. Um, you know, we actually, you know, when we both we we announced Stencil, you know, one presentation before Lit Element was announced. Amazing. We were, yeah, we were at the same conference, and I knew nothing about uh, Lit Element. They knew nothing about Stencil at the time. Um, and so when we were creating Stencil, it was like there is no standardized templating syntax. Uh, the moment that it does exist, the moment that it, you can find it in MDM docs then we will start using that one um, rather than using JSX. But at the time we created Stencil, really like the number one templating syntax is JSX. That's, you know, a lot of people use that. I personally like it, you know, and I think it made a lot of sense to do that. Uh, Lit Elements takes a different approach where they've kind of created, you know, the, um, the uh, literal templates that they're able to, you know, it's very similar to JSX, things like that, but it's also, you know, different. It's a different language. It's, it's another thing that needs to be standardized. Um, huge fan of it. I think it works great. I like, you know, I, I, I love the, the both approach, you know, I, I really, you know, I like using the, uh, the JSX approach for the most part and having the compiler do a lot of the adjustments. I mean, that's another thing that, um, has been to our benefit is we've had stencil out for close to three years now. And, um, we have come up with improvements. We have had changes, uh, frameworks have adjusted things like that. And we've been able to change the compiler, not change all of Ionic. And that's really the, the original goal. You know, it's like we don't really have, we don't want to have versions of Stencil to be so concerned about. We just want the compiler to adjust to any changes that we've, yeah, we've had to do. And so that's, that again, is it's meeting its goal. And, and that's why um, we've been able to ship Ionic in the different versions is because of our compiler. <laughs> I love that. That is so awesome. It's it's really making me. I love talking to people in tech because it always makes me want to dive right in. I'm like, oh my gosh, I should be playing with stencil more. <laughs> but you know, if I I wish we didn't have to sleep. I think that's <laughs> the biggest downfall of being a human. Too many ideas. <laughs> I just retweeted you know something a couple hours ago of like, too many ideas, not enough time. And that's so true. So true. Yeah. So um, Ionic V6. When is it, you know, when's the release date? What's going on? What's the focus? Liam, do you want to answer that for us? <laughs> Soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're actively working on it. I don't think we have a, a day you know, set in stone. Definitely this year. Definitely soon. Um, you know, at the end of the day, we want to release it when it's when it's done. When it we think it's in a pretty good state. Um, you know, one of the big things is uh, taking a bigger desktop focus which is something people have asked for a while. And it's not that we haven't wanted to, or we've been ignoring it. It's just, it's, you know, melding a, a mobile first framework and adding in desktop like properties and styles and functionalities is pretty tricky. Um, you know, I think Adam Brandy and I, we had a meeting, I believe yesterday where we reviewed uh, one of our new components. It's like a drop down menu type, uh, type component and trying to figure out how to, figure out, say, you know, okay, so this works on desktop. This feature doesn't really make sense on mobile. How do we account for that? And it's like, well, what do other people do? Okay, they don't, they don't do anything. So we need to figure something else out. Um, you know, so there's a lot of like cross-referencing. What do, what do, you know, what does iOS do? What does Android do? Um, and taking bits and pieces and trying to make something that 
when people add in this component, this drop-down component, they don't have to worry that it's not going to work well on mobile. They don't have to worry that it's not going to work well on desktop because we take care of a lot of that sort of conversion. Um, I, I think one of the tricky parts is making sure that we're not doing too much magic. So it's not, you know, there's a little bit of transparency into what we're doing, why we're doing it, um, and also how we're doing it. So that if people want to say, hey, you know, I have this, I have this functionality I would like instead, they can still opt out of our our you know, what we think are pretty reasonable defaults. So it, it's tricky. Um, we're looking forward to talking more about it once we get closer to the release. You know, we'll definitely have a, a public beta. You know, there's there's so many things I want to like be like, oh, we're doing this, we're doing that, we're doing this. Um, you know, I don't want to spoil all the magic. We are redoing our date time component, which I think is like the number one requested thing in the history of Ionic. It's like, ah, oh, you need a better date time component. So we're redoing it. Um, it's it's tricky, um, but the progress has been really really awesome so far. We're super happy with you know we're still in the planning phases. The API um, we're really happy with the APIs coming out. Very few breaking changes. So I think I think uh, Ionic users will be very pleased with what we put out. It is all we do have the milestones out there, you know, and you can see you know publicly a lot of the stuff that we're working on. Um, yeah, okay. biggest one would be date time. Mm -hmm. Is and, that on GitHub too? Like, do you have like an um, RFP process that you're Yep. Yeah, we have it. I believe it's all in the V6 milestone of everything that's listed out of what we're going through. Um, I don't know what percent we're down to, but we do have it listed out of what we plan for that. Cool. And it just comes down to uh, how long it takes to, to close them all out. So that's where we're at right now. Do you have like a favorite, like what? Like a weird request? You know, I love open source because, you know, there's so many personalities out there, but any request that ever was just like, huh? <laughs> I'll I'll let Liam answer that. I feel like there's <laughs> good question. hundreds, thousands of ones like that that have come up. I, I think a, a common theme is someone is in the middle of developing their app and they have a very specific use case and then they create an issue. It's like, why can't it do X? This is what I need it to do. And you read that, it's like, well, that's what that's that's very, very specific to just you and just your app, not for the millions of other people that, that need it. And so we're very um, we're pretty strict on, you know, adding features just because we know it, it takes a lot to maintain. And then also, is it useful for millions or is it useful for this one person? Um, and you know, sometimes that, that one person needs to figure out a solution for their app. So that's a common theme. Yeah. Once, once that API is in there, it is, it is in there right. for at least one major version. Yeah. Right. And, and that's the, that's why we're so concerned is because once once you put it in, you can't really break it. And then we get back into breaking changes, things like that. And so we keep the, the API surface as small as possible while also giving lots of power. So it's just delicate balance that we're constantly maintaining. I love that. Well, um, I wanted to take a second and also thank one of our sponsors. And I'm sure you've heard of them before because you all go to the same conferences. Uh, Kendo, Kendo React is actually our sponsor today. Uh, for those listeners who don't know about them, they are a professional UI and database component library. And uh, they've basically designed and built from the ground up all these components specifically for React. Uh, so they have about 90 feature rich components and um, definitely something to check out. And the team there is so amazing. Like I always love seeing what they're working on too. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely check them out. 
So I wanted to also ask you all, um, Ionic and use cases. Like, do you have any like really cool use case stories or like companies that you see using Ionic that you're just super proud of and, and how are they using them? How are they using Ionic? Um, you put me on the spot. I could easily put together a, a big list of, of stuff that we've been pretty proud of. The stuff top of my head, um, I think would be Amtrak. Um, I think Burger King uses uh, Ionic. Um, but yeah, you're putting me on the spot. I should have come prepared with. Oh no yeah, yeah, there I are. I can think of a good one is uh, Swerkit. They've been around for a little while, but I think it's particularly relevant now. Now that at least of at least at the time of recording, you know, most gyms are closed or at least at pretty reduced capacity. So Swerkit is a. I don't know exactly how you describe it. It's sort of like an exercise app. So they give you workouts you can do in your own home with your own equipment or even just free body. And I think that's, um, or I guess body weight workouts. And I think that's pretty impressive that they're using Ionic tech, but also it's pretty relevant um, as of right now, given that most people, if you're gonna be working out, you're usually doing it at home, not so much at a gym. Yeah, and, and while we're on the subject, another thing that we should probably highlight is, you know, capacitor version three, um, is in RC right now, should be released soon. Um, but really the the biggest focus that we put a lot more effort into that recently um, is making sure that it works in all framers because really it's not an Ionic thing, it's a you know web app thing. And you can see it as kind of the spiritual successor to Cordova. Uh, you know, so we were big fans of Cordova, use it for many years, but this is kind of doing the next generation of, of how, you know, using TypeScript, using ES modules, things like that to develop your um, web apps. So, uh, we're seeing that really grow a lot faster um, in that sense because it is not just an Ionic thing. It can be just a material, a React Material UI or Angular Material UI, um, uh, Beautify, anything, you name it. It really, any of those can be fit inside of the Capacitor web app. And so we're seeing that really take off and we're pretty proud of that. And with V3 coming out um, even more stable, we're, we're pretty excited. And so that would also list a lot of the um, even more apps in the um, in our I guess space that are using our technology to get their apps into the, in the play stores, but they don't have to use Ionic for that. I guess is my point. And um, you can use any framework with any UI library. I mean, Twitter Bootstrap could be used inside of it. So, so it's fun to see too. Yeah, that's so cool. And I love talking to companies that are um, you know open open sourcing opening sourcing their computer. <laughs> Open yeah. sourcing their technologies. Um, you know, you guys got venture funding, right? Like, is that right? Or am I totally crazy? Like, I, to be honest, I work on open source and my goal is, or my job is to uh, write cool open source for other people to use. I yeah. am, I am personally pretty disconnected from the uh, business side of things. Yeah. I yeah. believe so. You know, yeah. um, and that was a while back, but I, I hate to like try to claim I know anything oh, yeah. about, about what the process is that we've been doing as a company. Yeah, but I mean, that's super cool too. Again, it's <laughs> it's so fortunate, like you guys just get to work on cool things, helping developers and, uh, you know, being a part of this web, web ecosystem. That's, that's really amazing. Um, is there anything you look for from community like is there anything you want to ask of your community that you know maybe they can chip in and start helping or not help i know sometimes <laughs> that's useful too <laughs> when you make a pr please make an issue first 
<laughs> so you can talk yeah. about it. Is that right? Yeah, like, exactly. I mean, it, it's a very rare, rare scenario. Some people will just make a make a PR and say, "Hey, I ran into this issue. Here's a fix." And it's like, well, that you know, I'm I'm sure it's an issue. I'm sure the fix is great. But ooh, you know, it once once you merge that in, once that person merges the PR and they get to walk away. We have to maintain it. So if there's an issue, if there's a regression, if there's something else, we have to we got to deal with it. So you know, the more information you can give us in terms of uh, what the issue is and how it comes about, that's really really helpful because you know, two months down the line, you could be dealing with a very similar issue, and if we don't know anything about it, it's going to be really tough for us to fix. Um, but for the most part, the community has been really, really great. Um, I think we're we're fortunate to have a really positive and healthy community um, in terms of how people interact with each other and how um, how much people contribute. You know, we we have recurring contributors. They're they're great to work with. Um, it's also fun sometimes seeing them at conferences. Hey, I know you. Yeah, recognizing the avatars. That's always yeah. Fun. Yep. Although we haven't had a conference in a long time, so I'm looking forward to an actual one someday. Soon. Soon, um, but yeah, I think like a lot of the common, you know, um, if you create an issue, you know, really describe the issue, and the even better is to have you know replicate it, and you know, to say, well, why don't you just replicate it? Like, it's I think it's easy to forget that you know we can have a hundred issues coming in a day, you know, maybe realistically twenty to thirty. It's very very time consuming just to click the links and go through and read it, understand it, you know, respond. So anytime you can save us really helps out the community in general. So like the more you can provide uh, repo cases, you know, really thoroughly describe things, the easier it is to close things out. And then same thing is if you're creating a PR, very small and focused on a very specific thing and add tests for it. Again, like, well, why don't you do that? But but this helps us out. We really are, you know, really it's a two person team and I help out where I can, but it's really Brandy and, and Liam working on um, Ionic and so, we only can get as far as two people can do in a day. And there's only so many hours in a day. So the more you can help the team out, the, the faster we can get, you know, things in. That's so cool. Um, there's this saying, what is it that time, the task always expands to the amount of time allocated. <laughs> right. So I love that, you know, you, you basically like are a two, three person team who are building something that is just, you know, such an integral part of our ecosystem. Um, and you're able to do it with, you know, a seemingly small team, right? I mean, React's like five people, I think, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Angular team's a little bit bigger, but that's that's really cool to see as well. And I should also say, I, I say Brandy and Liam, you know, they're, they're mm -hmm. specifically dedicated to working on components, but we actually have, you know, Mike and Netco and many other people okay. in the Ionic uh, company that help out quite a bit too. So I don't want to, you know, make it sound like it's just those two, but there is a, a, a large team behind DevRel and things like that, that help out quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, can we make fun of Mike and be like, let's be honest, Mike doesn't actually do anything. Just yeah. kidding, Mike. <laughs> we all know that. Hi, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Love Mike, though. I mean, he's definitely yeah. been um, a stable face of Ionic for literally, I can't even, it's like, you know. In the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't even remember Mike not being around, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> right, he's one of the first ones to post on the on the forum, and that's how we got to know him to begin with. So yeah, that's amazing. See, I love that too. Right, like it's a, it's amazing for those who are listening and kind of hoping to get into open source. You know, all you need to do is just come hang out for a little bit, and who knows? You know, like maybe if I submit a PR tomorrow to Ionic and just make all the components rainbow colored, you'll be like. <laughs> 
crazy. Join the team. That, that was a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> that might do it. I mean, really, a lot of the core team members and, and the past core team members has really come from the forum and, and issues, things like that. And so, yeah, that is that is largely where we find a lot of, you know, ionic hires and things. So um, you're talking about a forum. So is that GitHub? Is that Gitter? Is that? Forum at ionicframework.com. Forum.ionicframework.com. Okay, so yep. is that where people can go as well for you know questions when it comes to starting to use Ionic and everything? Yep, and that one's more of a discussion questions. How do I do this? How to do that? And then we try to you know make sure that we can make the difference between GitHub issues is specifically of like this thing didn't work. I expected it to do this. Here's a repo case. And then the forum is more of like I don't understand how this works. Can someone help me out with this? More of a discussion. Um, it's kind of a gray area between the two, but uh, we try to, to direct the two. And, and what's also nice is when we see people post a question and then a lot of other people in the community are able to answer that. So that's why we, we try to guide as many people to the forum as possible. Nice, that's awesome. Well, thank you all for joining me today and talking a little bit about Ionic. It's amazing what you guys, did. I mean, you guys really spent a lot of, it's like Taylor Swift releasing the album in 2020, right? It was like, whoa, look how productive she was. Seems like y'all were super productive too with the, <laughs> the view releases. Yeah, and a huge thanks to the community too. I just helping to grow and continue. So thank you, everyone. Yeah, and if you want to follow and find uh, Liam and Adam on Twitter, uh, they're both amazing folks. So feel free to chat with them or uh, go to the forum as well to continue the conversation. And thank you again for joining us today. Yeah, and thanks yeah. for having if us. If you want to see some V6 sneak previews, follow me on Twitter. I like to link notifications. Got good stuff. I like that. All right, see you all next time. All right, thanks. Bye. podcast is sponsored by this.labs, a framework agnostic consultancy that specializes in JavaScript. You can find them at this.co slash labs. That's T-H-I-S-D-O-T dot C-O slash labs.